Welcome to the Run Better Podcast from Snackable Inspirations, where we talk to business leaders about employee engagement, experience, and motivation. For show notes and bonus content, visit snackableinspirations.com forward slash podcast. And remember, corporate learning and communications should not feel like work. If you want to truly engage your employees and create a measurable impact, share bite-sized videos made by people they want to hear from. If you'd like to learn how to do this for your business, get in touch with us at Snackable Inspirations. All right, let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie. I am a business development specialist with Board Studios. One of our initiatives is to help company business and leaders connect with their employees through bite-sized videos. Today, I'm joined by Matthew Confer, the VP of Strategy and Business Development at Ability. Matthew, it's great to have you with us. It is great to be here. Thanks for having me. Did I get all that stuff right? I got your name right. I got your title right. All that good stuff. We're, we're off to one heck of a good start. Okay. Because <laughs> sometimes it's already going downhill at this point. Um, so thank you, number one, for being here. I'm excited to share your knowledge and your expertise in the area of employee engagement with our audience. Let me just ask you two questions, really. How long have you been in that environment? How long have you been an expert at it? And then what what you got what got you started in 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 this area of team building and engagement and culture and all that other good stuff? Well, I'll hold off on calling myself an expert, but I'll <laughs> say that I've been in my current role at Ability for a little over three years now. What got you there? What started you in in the area of employee engagement? I have a weird path to it. I started my career at Deloitte Consulting. Um, originally thought I wanted to go into the world of finance, quickly deviated away from that, found myself at a prototypical consulting type of role, spent about eight years there, ended up leaving Deloitte, made moves into another consulting company, then financial technology, and then about three years ago, found my way to Ability. The through line for all of it is the last um, role that I played at Deloitte, one of the things that I got to do is I got to redefine our onboarding training Mm -hmm. for our new hires at Deloitte. I got to develop some of the content. I got to facilitate. I got to immerse myself in what it meant to develop future leaders. And I think that component stuck in my head of something that I always wanted to do. And when the opportunity to join Ability presented itself, I think it was something that um, I'm really happy I took the leap and, and made the jump. You want to tell us a little bit about what Ability does? Yeah, so Ability believes um, full-fledged in the power of experiential learning. So we believe that the way to develop leaders is akin to how pilots are trained. So you would never get into a plane if a pilot hadn't first spent numerous hours in a simulator. So if your listeners are either familiar with what it might take to um, you know, play Microsoft Flight Simulator or what it might take to learn how to be a pilot, or if they're familiar with a game such as SimCity, we have developed uh, simulated based exercises on what it means to be a good manager or what it means to understand financial acumen with the business lens or what it means to be a good decision maker in a corporate environment. And that's how we train the leaders of tomorrow. I have to tell you, I love the analogy that you picked because my husband is a pilot and I talk about experiential learning all the time. You give me a book, but I could read from cover to cover about how to be a pilot, but good grief, don't ever put me in the cockpit and expect me to fly people around without having had some experience. So I I love that you brought those two things together because 
the textbook learning and that academic learning is entirely different than experiential learning. And so thank you for pointing that out and making it very clear what those differences look like. So before we jump into some of the things that you're working on and the trends that you'd see, what is it? Is it is it specifically like the way that you work with employee engagement at Ability or is it something else that sparked your interest or, or something else that gets you excited about employee engagement? And I perhaps part of that answer um, is the impact that it can have on an organization. My entire career up until this point had been at really large organizations. And I think there was a part of me that wanted to see the type of impact that I could have at a smaller firm. The reason that I ended up making the decision to make the jump to Ability, we're, we're a relatively small firm, is some of our clients are some of the largest organizations in the world. So everybody from General Electric to Dell Computers to Coca-Cola uses our products. And for me, it was a risk worth taking because I like working with large organizations. I like being able to have an impact on a global scale, but I had never pushed myself to be a leader at a small company. So to me, it was kind of a match that was perfect. Um, and I'm really happy that I made the decision. And what you said really resonated with me. The ability to make an impact on people's development as leaders is something that we feel lucky that we get to do that every day. It's interesting because one of the things that has been a through point for a lot of the guests who have spoken about understanding employee engagement the the through line has been it wasn't all that long ago that employee engagement or culture or whatever was sort of like oh that's that's a nice thing to have isn't that yeah. cute um he, and as recently as like five years ago at least to the layperson right the people who were in the thick of it realized the importance and, and perhaps the urgency that employee engagement programs need to be incorporated into the bigger picture now it is not a nice to have it is a need to have right it's one of the biggest recruiting tools. It's one of the ways people feel um, fulfilled and like they're more than just a nameless or faceless number, especially in a larger organization. But can you can you dive a little bit, and this is a million dollar question, dive a little bit deeper into how exactly you go about engaging employees? <laughs> it's a big I task. I think we have two huge forces that are working for us. Um, you hit on one of them. Our clients are HR leaders at large organizations, and they're thinking about training as a retention tool and as a recruitment tool in a way that they never really were before. The second thing, that trend that I think is moving for us, and if, I believe it gets to your the answer to your question, is as the workforce has a more, has a larger desire for being involved in their learning, a gamified approach to what they're doing. If they are going to take multiple hours out of their day to invest in themselves, to better themselves, they need to be involved in the process. Just logging in and clicking through a training like all of us have clicked through or just getting sent an article or having to dial into a call and just hearing somebody lecture to you what it means to be a good leader is not going to 
pass the mustard test anymore. People need to be involved. People need to play a part in it. There's so many distractions that we're all fighting at home. If we're back in the office, we need training, we need learning, we need employee engagement that makes people excited about the opportunity to grow at their current organization if they're going to stay there. And retention is huge right now. Is there actually any remote possibility that somebody at home is dialing into a conference call and actually sitting there and listening to the entire thing? Like, I, I think those days are over. Uh, how, how have things changed? And you touched a little bit, bit on it in that answer, but we've been through a remarkable 18 to 24 months and, and we've recruited and brought on entire virtual teams maybe even incorporating them into teams that had previously been face-to-face. And now you're bringing in people who may never meet the rest of their team members face-to-face, or even perhaps their, their direct manager or supervisor. So what challenges have you seen in the past 18 to 24 months? And again, I know a lot of companies are sort of now navigating, do we bring everybody back? Do we bring people back sometime, nobody, what, how do we do this? What are those challenges and what have you seen that works? And then on the opposite side, what are people doing that, that, that worked 10 years ago? It don't work anymore. It's, it's old, it's old hat. Our business is a really interesting case study about what happened during COVID. So mm-hmm. pre-March of 2020, we did about 60 to 70% of our trainings in the classroom, in person, at a hotel, at a company offsite, sure. something like that. Only about 30% of what we did was fully virtual. In about a month, everything changed and everything went virtual. And we, just like a lot of other people, were really scared and worried about what was going to happen and how it was going to impact impact our business. What shocked us coming out of it is people wanted to train virtually because they had never had the opportunity to practice in that type of environment. It is scary to manage people. It is scary to lead. It is exponentially more scary to do so in an environment that you weren't comfortable with, that you never had practice in before. So I think what we're starting to see or hear from our clients is What they're getting requests for is I want to practice what it looks like to have difficult conversations when I've never met anybody, when I'm in a virtual environment. I want to practice what it means to lead a team when I can't walk over to the person and tap them on the shoulder and have a conversation with them in person. These are skills that leaders hadn't developed, honestly, because they hadn't had to. And that is, I think, the next level of being a leader in this new world is how do you manage fully remote teams and how do you manage hybrid teams? And so you guys are teaching people how to do that. Any tips, like top top tips for these are the consistent mistakes we see people make when they're trying to learn this, something they can walk away with and maybe implement, even if it's little? It's probably not going to surprise your listeners, but our most popular simulation in a virtual context is called Management Challenge. And it's about the challenge of being a people manager. And we always start that process. You manage these six virtual characters that send you emails, send you video messages. They respond (laughs) to the decisions that you make in the game. And and all six of the characters are mapped to these different personality profiles. But one of the things that we talk about a lot is the first step that you have to make as a manager is you have to understand that the people on your team are motivated by very different things than you are motivated for by. 
when I was an early manager in my career, I think I fell into the trap that a lot of people fall into. You just by your very nature assume that other people come to work in the morning for the same reasons that you do. And the first leap that you have to take as a manager is you have to think about the people on your team. What motivates them and how can I understand that and use that to be a better manager? When you talk about somebody's motivation or when you understand it and your decisions go through that lens, you become exponentially better at understanding how to develop people and understand why they come to work in the morning. That makes perfect sense. You know, are, are there perhaps, um, it sounds like that's one of the biggest sort of sticking points or pain points that perhaps uh, your clients have. Are there, are there other pain points or sticking points e either that, you know, I don't know, ability has or your clients have where, boy, there's been a bunch of missed opportunities because we haven't been able to incorporate virtual teams correctly or there, I mean, mm. what, can you dive into that a little bit for us? <laughs> we hear probably three things from our clients when they're talking to us about their high potential. So if they want to do something with a group of leaders that they believe have the capacity to be the future leaders of the organization, what are three things that they want them to do exceptionally well? I, mm -hmm. I hit on one of them, which is they want them to be exceptionally good leaders of people. That's what they anticipate people who ascend in the organization, they're going to be able to lead larger and larger teams. Number two is they want them to understand financially how the company makes money. They don't need them to be the accountant. They don't need them to do any sort of high level math calculations, but they need them to understand how the business drives value. And a lot of people get promoted because they are just darn good at their job, not because they have an MBA, not because they've ever run a PL, not because they understand those things. But if you want to ascend at an organization, you can't just be good at your job. You also have to understand how the company more broadly makes money and how your department fits into that. And then the third thing is they want leaders who operate well cross-functionally. As you ascend, as you move up in the organization, you tend to break out of your silo a little bit. The people who really do well as they move up are those that can build relationships cross-functionally across the organization, across geographies for larger organizations and build consensus, not just in their department or in their group. They have that networking potential to work outside of their silo. That makes perfect sense. I want to backtrack for a second and, 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 go a little bit deeper into your your the first point of that answer which was about you know high performers within your organization if somebody has a somebody who you know a, a, a leader a manager supervisor whatever has an employee who was a very high performer and over the past 18 to 24 months has moved into maybe moderate or even low performer status, for lack of a better word, do you need to be looking at whether your employee engagement is part of the reason for that decline? Do you see that happening? And are there general, when we see that, if it's an employee engagement or culture situation, these are the three reasons that it, that it generally happens or hmm. for one reason or whatever. I'm such a huge proponent of managers who put themselves out there, who start conversations by saying, I want to be honest with you. I'm struggling with this. How are you dealing with it? 
any way that you can build trust with the people that you lead is that first step that gets you over most of the hurdles. In many ways, the pandemic gave us all an opportunity to say, hey, this has actually been good for me. I like being at home with my family. This hasn't worked well for me. I miss this, this, and this about the office. I don't like being at home with my family. I don't like being at home with my family. (laughs) How are you, individual on my team, dealing with it? When you can share a personal anecdote, I think people are more likely to open up to you. And as a manager, what your aim is, is to have an honest and open level of conversation with the people that work with you, work for you, work above you, work below you. And if you kind of fall on the sword a little bit, if you lead with honesty and empathy and openness, people are more receptive to that. So that would be my big suggestion, given the challenge that we're all facing, not being able to get personal cues by being in the same room with somebody. No, fantastic. And a great reminder. Let me ask you this, looking forward now, maybe maybe perhaps post-COVID, fingers crossed, what are the trends that you're excited about? What do you see coming down the road in terms of employee engagement, new ways of creating it, processes, strategies, whatever it may be? What are you excited about? I'm extremely excited about the fact that I think companies have to fight to keep the people that are the top performers. There are immense opportunities for people to go on entrepreneurial journeys. There are immense opportunities for people to join other companies. We're a a growing organization and it is really hard to find great people. And so if you are one of those top performers, if you are a rising leader at organization, the organizations, the organization that has hired you is going to have to work really hard to keep you. So I think the benefits that are going to accrue to employees, potentially we're just starting to see what companies will have to do to retain and recruit top talent. And I think that's a really good thing for the industry more broadly. It sort of goes along. We've heard of like the great resignation. I've also heard it termed as like the great realignment. Meaning people are taking a look at their values within the organization. Does our mission, does our greater purpose align with my greater purpose or my greater goals? And part of that is understanding how you like, sometimes it's as simple as starting a conversation and feeling like I have somebody who understands that I also want to feel fulfilled and, and have a purpose and um, be part of a, the bigger picture. So it's realigning, I think, not just on the employee side, but certainly on the employer's side as well. Would you agree? A hundred percent. I've heard it called the great reassessment, the great realignment, mm-hmm. the great resignation. There's a lot of movement going on. Yeah. And when you look historically, times when there was a lot of movement, there was a little bit of chaos, there was when it ends up shaking out, many times the world looks a lot better once the pieces all fall into place. And I I believe the way the pieces are going to fall into place is that companies are going to have to work harder to recruit people. They're going to need to train from within. It's going to be harder to go out on the open market and find that top talent. You're better off off building it internally. And companies that invest in that are going to come out the other side of this in a much stronger position. Let me ask you, what do you think is important for people to know that that I haven't asked you or something you'd like to touch on that we have not addressed? I get the question a lot about people who are interested in entering the, the workforce, either from the um, MBA program that I went to or the university that I attended. Young college grads or young grad school individuals will reach out and say, how should I you know, pitch myself? And I 
I believe and I think a lot about how we recruit and I'm always interested in the story that you can tell. And sometimes the story is I went to work for a company. I've been there for six years. I've done exactly what it takes to climb the ladder. Sometimes the story is I've been out of school for six years. I've had five different jobs. And here's the reason that I moved on. And these are the three things that I did on the side. My biggest piece of advice for people or the question that I get asked most frequently is, Embrace whatever your story is, but make sure that you can coherently tell it as a story. You can weave a vision of this is why I would be a value to your company. And that's what we talk to a lot of our clients about. You're asking us to train some of your top performers, some of your highest potential employees. What story do you want them to be able to tell on the other side about what makes them more valuable to your organization? Absolutely. It's here's where we are. Here's where we're going. And this is all the tension and drama yeah. and storytelling right in here. It's getting from point A to point B. One final question for you, Matthew. This has been amazing. Uh, I can't believe we're coming up on time already, but if people are interested in learning a little bit more about you, how they could potentially work with you or ability, where should, where should they reach out? Where should they find you or find out more information about ability? Well, of the four jobs I've had, I've gotten three of them from LinkedIn. So that probably that goes without saying that I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. So you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm at Matthew Confer. I'm also on Twitter and all the, the socials under that. If you're interested in finding out what our organization does, um, thankfully, we've had the pleasure of training about 20,000 people over the last two years. So it's been a heck of a run. Um, and you can find out more at ability.com. Same thing with all of the, the socials for that. And I love hearing from people. Fantastic. Matthew, you are amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Run Better podcast from Snackable Inspirations, where we talk to business leaders about employee engagement, experience, and motivation. For show notes and bonus content, visit snackableinspirations.com forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you would subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to engage employees. Thanks, and see you soon.